This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hi, my name is Peter Tomasi. Hi, this is James Hyman the Fourth. Hi, I'm Dan Jurgen. Hey, I'm Duncan Wynn. This is Jim Lee. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Mark Hamill speaking. This is Kevin Conroy. This is Tim Sale. Hello, everyone. I'm Batman, and you're listening to my podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, Season 12, Episode 25. I'm your host, Ian, and today I have with me... Wait, there's no Steph. It's just me, Theo. We are unfortunately missing Steph. She is on a well-earned vacation. She will be back soon, but we wish her all the best, and we will carry on without her. We just have a little bit of news, and it's kind of exciting um, that we have news after solicitations uh, a couple of weeks ago. So uh, first off, we have the announcement of a 14-issue digital first Super Sons miniseries by Pete Tomasi and artists Max Rayner and I think Jorge Corona is also mentioned. So several um, artists will be working just like most of the other digital first uh, series. Um, there will be a break in the middle of publication, probably to let artists catch up because it will be weekly. It starts uh, middle of December uh, and it'll be Mondays, I believe. Second week of December, Monday, and then every week, um, probably until issue seven, that I'll take a break uh, and then move on. So, Theo, I turn this over to you. Super Sons! Super Sons! I have uh, a check I am waiting to send over to DC. Uh, if they can just send me all 14 issues now, I promise not to leak them, uh, and I will gladly enjoy them on my own. I am very happy to see my boys team back up again. The boys are back in town. Um, and, of course, the only person who can write that duo is uh, heading up the story, so it's good to see Tomasi at the helm with uh, writing the adventures of John Kent at the, at the age that we all want him to be. And Damien, um, knowing that this is one of the other, I don't want to say prequels because this, I'm assuming this is taking place sometime after uh, the first series, but before the last series, but either way uh, I'm excited. So we were talking uh, just before we started recording about what this sort of means for DC's Digital First. I think that this and DC's Hope at World's End are really good signs. I like some of the anthology material they've been releasing, especially um, the, the stuff that Robert Vendetti wrote for Superman Man of Tomorrow. I thought that was really nice. But as a whole, I think the anthology approach isn't great uh i think they really should focus more on serialized products like this with a uh beginning middle and end that really you know encourage people to subscribe on on digital 
Uh, and I think this will also be very uh, nice content to have on DC Universe Infinite because we know that the digital first stuff is probably going to show up earlier than the regular uh, six-month delay that we're going to get at the beginning of next year on DC Universe Infinite. I think that it's really curious. I, I'm very curious about how these things get decided. I mean, clearly, um, Super Sons has a dedicated fan base. They've released... Uh, an expanded omnibus like that is the sign of uh, a fan base that is very interested in purchasing this content uh, most omnibuses don't get a second edition with more stuff added to it so um even though this i think everyone knows i am a tomasi heretic and i'm not the biggest fan of his writing i think this is good because it provides uh, a missing element in the dc universe and i hope it proves to be the kind of thing that will allow other things like i would love to see digital first miniseries going back and telling stories of say elongated man and his wife sue um or i think everyone will not be surprised what i say stephanie brown batgirl maybe we could finally have that adventure where she teams up with cassandra and Bab uh, babs in the past in world war ii um like there's there's so many possibilities that a digital first miniseries offers um because it's it's not required to to tie directly into the ongoing uh, continuity, but it isn't an alternate universe. So I, I wish DC would do this kind of thing and really, you know, hook people in, give them uh, points to buy past merchandise and maybe get excited about future merchandise. Like this is a digital strategy. I think strategy that is worth uh, pursuing, and I hope that it does well. I, I am I am hopeful considering what we've seen come out with the digital first line of books that if they're not learning DC is listening because what we've seen them put out or have announced they'll, they'll be putting out as is the case with the super sun series is that they're listening to what fans want to read you know whether it be deceased whether it be another injustice line uh, you know these series have their committed fan base and it's it's promising that dc recognizes that you know and i'm pretty sure they're looking at the bottom line and seeing that their sales are there i mean i i'm a big Super Sons fan, and I was even shocked to see Super Sons get an omnibus as soon as it did. Um, well, so I also I also want to point out that um, this has a a sort of different market. Like it's not going uh, paper copy first, so it's not as much of a financial risk for fans. They can check it out at a dollar a pop. That's just fourteen dollars for the whole series, and the issues are sort of half issues. So you're technically, right. in my opinion, getting basically a full issue for $2, which is $2 less than you'd pay for, you know, a full sized issue. So this is a way I think that DC can really get into the original content instead of like repackaging or anthology content game. And I just think this is the way forward. It's, it's the way to give fans what they want. It's a way to test things out without too much financial risk, either on the, the, the company or the fan. And if it works out 
people will remember it and love it, like, uh, you know, Injustice. If it doesn't, it's it's not too much of a loss. I mean, it's, it's not going away, but it doesn't have to be followed up on. So I, I think this is great. And who's, who, who's to know whether or not, after it's all said and done, you know, it's successful enough to where they can put out a printed version of it, whether as a, at the trade paperback or um, as they did with Injustice. You know, they did issues after they did the digital first. I'm just excited. Again, like I said, uh, you know, I've been following uh, Hope at Hope at World's End. I'll definitely be picking this up. And again, I just hope that, and again, that I am a collector. So, you know, give me my floppies, but I'll, I'll definitely be paying attention and, and picking this up as well. And DC, if you're listening, if you do end up putting this out as a trade or as a seven issue mini, uh, I'll probably be buying that as well. I think that covers our, uh, I think it's Challenge of the Super Suns is what it's going to be called. So that's a cool little name. So do you think, do you think that this was a, a shelf story that was just sitting there that Tomasi may have done already? Oh, yes. That's a good question. I, I think actually it was not. And the reason I think that is because I think that these digital firsts are actually much closer to between production time and release time than uh, most of the print stories. Because most of the print stories have to be pitched almost half a year before they're released, whereas I'm pretty sure that these digital first ones are pitched just a couple months before they start releasing because you don't have to print them. Um, The other reason I think that it wasn't um, is because this digital first format is... The way they're formatting this is very much like the way they formatted DC's Hope at World's End and that was, I think we know, pretty much de- definitively designed for this medium. And so I think that they have this format that they want people to pitch for. Now, I think Tomasi probably had maybe some of these ideas, but I don't think it was like a script he had already written, if that makes sense. I guess. <laughs> I mean, the other thing is, I mean, Tomasi's a busy guy. People generally don't write stuff they're not getting paid for. So... The other piece of news is DC Nation released a new issue after a long time. Um, I really liked that magazine where they basically gave insight into the behind the scenes and sort of gave you a catalog of what was upcoming uh, for Future State. They said DC Nation presents Future State. It's free on Comixology, and I think it's probably free in stores or at least just a dollar or so. Um, we learned a couple of cool facts about the upcoming Gotham stories. Uh, Nakano, the character police detective who's running for mayor in detective comics right now has become the mayor. Um, We know that this is set only five years in the future in 2025 based on the timeline. And the magistrate, instead of being a person is an organization that is partnered with Nakano in his quest to get rid of vigilantes. So I think that's uh, some interesting news. Uh, Theo, you had some thoughts on this? I do. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to say that I am, too crazy about all that it revealed considering considering it kind of tells you where the main books are going to be going uh so you know it states that nakano's going to be mayor well that tells us you know how this detective arc is going to end so i'm i'm not that crazy about that idea 
but I do think helping to set up what we're going to get down the line uh, in the next few months is 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 a good move. I will say, however, some of the art that's in this is absolutely stunning. Like that one of uh, Nubia is absolutely beautiful. I think that they've really poured a lot of time into the covers, at least. We haven't yet seen interiors. Well, no, that's not true. I've seen some interiors from Eddie Barrows for Robin Eternal. So... I and think, they have some unfinished art. So, and they've got some sketches, uh, what yeah. uh, costume design. So, I think they really have poured some good artistic talents. So I think that at least on the artistic front, we're going to get a good product. Um, I'm excited about some of these writers they've got. I, I am excited for Future State. I think that it is a fun what if. Uh, I don't think it's the canon future. I think that's silly, but I think that it's a fun what if, and it's a chance to see our favorite characters in really different circumstances. So I'm all for it. I hope that it's a good two month. Um, it just gives us two months of fun stories and then we'll go back to main continuity and we'll hopefully have some really cool initiatives launched then. So, so since a future state type of mood, let me, let me get your thoughts on this. Cause I heard, I heard someone else and I can't remember where, um, bring this up and when i heard it i had to go back and look at it myself and it's actually something interesting if you actually truly look at it and it's the idea that in future state outside of bruce wayne there are actually two batmans because if you look at the cover for the next batman he basically has a cape but if you look at the cover for the justice league book he does not and the color design, the color schemes are different. So the theory is that both Luke and Tim will be a Batman. Thoughts? As a fan of Luke, and as someone who I've only read the DC Retroactive stories for Tim, where he's kind of a jerk, I am very excited if it means Luke gets a cool role. I don't need him to be Batman. I know Luke is going to be in the Grifters storyline. Um so I'm I'm excited. I love the Fox family. I think this expansion of their role is a cool one. I am still concerned because it doesn't quite feel like they're really ramping up to it, but they are at least including them in Batman and a couple other things. So if we get two Batman and they're both Foxes, very cool. If uh, we get Batwing and Batman, that would also be cool in my book. Yeah, just an interesting thought. Again, once you go back and you look at those covers, then you're like, hmm. That is interesting. Well, I I do have one last question about Future State. We have um, some people on the on the net that I've been chatting with who think that Tim Fox could be DC's Miles Morales. You know, Miles Morales, the uh, Spider-Man who starred in Into the Spider-Verse and just had a really cool video game drop. Uh, do you think that DC is trying to turn Tim Fox into uh, a Miles Morales-level character, or do you think... I don't know. I have some reservations because I feel like they're not quite pushing it enough and it's an alternate future. So that's a little difficult to make it work, but maybe. I I don't know if I want to go that far. I will go as far as to say, if this is successful, they're going to find a place for these characters. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I would look for something like 
Batman Beyond, you know, that that thing's been running for uh, No, no. I mean I mean I mean in the main continuity. I don't mean going as far back as Batman Beyond, but I mean as as we go back to the regular books. You'll think come, Tim that'll still have a part. So so some type of way. I, I, I don't know if it, it if it's necessarily gonna be Tim as the next Batman, but I I could easily see them bring in the uh Amazonian Wonder Woman. Well we know that she's gonna get an ongoing comic and uh TV show. So, so I, I would agree there, but I was specifically more asking about Tim himself. I, I again if 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 these series are are good. If if these things are successful, and I'm, I'm and I am I am the pessimistic optimist in this. Um, I can't see how they just finish with Future State and we don't hear from these characters again. They're gonna they're gonna find a place for them, and you know whether or not they create a Miles Morales Ultimate type universe. I wish they don't. I don't think they need to. Oh, why um, not? You know, I don't. I don't. I just don't think they need to. I think that you know that they could possibly figure a way since these characters are already within the main continuity as is that you could find a way to fit them in, even even if it means just moving further down the timeline. You know, so future state ends, and then maybe a few months later again we're still seeing the fox family in the pages of batman then you basically start setting it up so that by the end of 2021 you know you got the next batman you know he may not be calling himself that but you know they're just not gonna let if if if, if future state is a good thing they, I, I just can't see them letting these characters go by the wayside. And, and I don't mean adding them to the Batman Beyond universe. Uh, I mean... Well, no, I wasn't thinking of adding them to Batman Beyond. I was thinking that we know Batman Beyond is ending, and they could launch, instead of a Batman Beyond series, they could launch a the next Batman series. You know, it'd be a fully comics-started franchise of a future um, I don't know. I mean, Ultimate Spider-Man ran for so long, and I think that we could see a future state Batman run if we've got a creator who's turning in quality work and committed to it for several years. But I think that's what it would take to make him Miles Morales level. I don't think you can just tell us that he is as good as, you know, Bruce. I mean, that's the kind of thing that got people mad at Harper because, you know, they kept saying, oh, she's just as good as all the other Robins. And she, you know, I like Harper, but she wasn't. And so I think they need to build it up and it needs to be a long-term investment by a creator and fans. And, you know, I wonder whether or not, you know, cause we've been hearing all this mess and again, it's, it's, it's rumor. So take it as a grain of salt, considering the source, whether or not this will fit into this whole omniverse thing that they've been certain people, I will say have been hinting at again, grain of salt. We we don't know what will happen, but um, I don't know. I just I just can't see Future State being a successful a successful run and 
all of these characters just go back. You know what I mean? I, I do think that they're not pouring all this money and effort into promoting Future State just to let it be like Convergence, where basically two series spun out of Convergence and then everything else was forgotten. I do think Future State is something they have long-term plans to see influencing. I would look at something like Future's End, where Future's End actually did have long-term consequences um, because the Batgirl series tried to build up to you know the Future's End where you had three Batgirls. And uh, the Batman series was very invested in the whole um, Bruce cloning himself plot. Like Future's End was very connected to what was going on, and I feel that Future State is also very connected to what's going on, whereas Convergence was very disconnected with what was going on. And so I think we're getting sort of the best of both Convergence and Future State, I mean Future's End, in that we don't have an event series that you have to you know follow, and it's really big and dumb, but you have an ongoing narrative that clearly they've crafted together, and each series... Um, probably enriches each other, but is not necessary. Like, that's the kind of big thing that I like to see, where it's a status quo that you tell cool stories in rather than an event that you have to uh, necessarily tie into. Yeah, because I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the only thing that's still around from Convergence is Soups and Lois and John. Uh, there's T. Lois, and I think he's not really relevant anymore. Who? who? You, you know, the bad guy turned good guy from Convergence that no one cares about at all. Oh, okay, okay. No, I think you're right. I think that Convergence did exactly one thing, and that's bring back um, classic Superman and give him a son. And those things were huge, and they lasted, but no one really connects them with Convergence anymore because they've developed a life of their own. But I think, historically, you do have to say that's where they came from. All right. right. So, lots of stuff to talk about, a little more than I thought we had, um, but let's get moving on our reviews. First, we're going to start with Batman number 103. Written by James Tynan IV, art by Carlo Pagulian and Guillaume March. Many years ago, 15-year-old Bruce sits in the Gobi Desert, meditating on the anniversary of his parents' death, as he learned from his latest teachers. Ghostmaker arrives, challenging him, but he finds less fun in tormenting Bruce than usual. He tells Bruce that caring makes him weak. In the present, the two fight again, while Oracle can't see or hear anything Ghostmaker does. Ghostmaker brags about all the crime he stopped in 12 hours, and Batman tells Clown Hunter to run, using his real name, Bao. Meanwhile, Harley talks to her plant as a stand-in for Poison Ivy, and Clownshutter sneaks up and tries to kill her with his Bat-Bat. She beats him fairly easily with a knee to the fork, but Batman is thrown through her window, stabbed. Ghostmaker tranks Harley when she mocks his name, and Batman reveals he was already dealing with the crime Ghostmaker quote-unquote stopped in a long-term fashion instead of quick, easy fixes. Ghostmaker just tranquilizes Batman, too. So... Do you think Ghostmaker seems plausible as someone who could beat Harley and Batman as shown in this issue? I'm still not sold on Ghostmaker as a character. He, he seems like, I don't want to say a, a a poor man's hush from the standpoint of, you know, being a part of Bruce's life all these years. Um, I don't like the 
idea that you know he could easily take out Ruth and Harley, uh, basically at the same time. Um, I'm I'm not sure. I'm 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 still having designer vibes about him, even though even though unlike designer, he's an actual character that's that that Bruce is facing right now compared to a zombified corpse. But I'm I'm still trying to I'm just not there yet. He, I'm there's there's something missing. I can't put my finger on it just yet. I think Ghostmaker is being developed. I mean, I liked the the characterization note. He's not as one note as he was last issue. He has sort of moments of complexity. I do think that him beating Batman here I don't mind myself, but I just know all the people who complained about Batman being beaten in Tynan's detective run are going to complain about the same thing here. So I I think a villain has to have some wins early on, otherwise they're not really a threat. Um, but I know that people beating Batman, especially new characters, gets people really cranky. Uh, next question. Always. <laughs> yeah. Next question, what do you think of Harley's monologue to Poison Ivy? Do you think this is part of the plan for Queen Ivy, the storyline from Joker Warzone? I don't know, because, I mean, you know, because like Swamp Thing, you know, Ivy is connected to the green. So you would suspect that if, if Harley is talking to this thing, that Ivy could somehow hear it and know what's going on but you know as we know from the story in Warzone she's as upset at Harley as she is with the rest of Gotham so I'm still trying to get those two those two events to connect I think Tynan is definitely trying to get us to keep Harley and Ivy's relationship in the back of our heads. I think that Queen Ivy's going to be... I mean, I don't know. We don't know any solicitations. I think we're almost certainly going to wrap up the Clown Hunter and Ghost Maker arc um, by the end of this year to to leave things open for a brand new arc, uh, whether it's uh, Joker versus Bane or the harley and ivy or something i mean we've got so many threads that we could be seeing i think that we will probably based on this scene see queen ivy earlier rather than later and i I kind of hope that because i'd rather not get joker back in gotham fighting bane quite this early yeah i still think i still think that's that's gonna happen closer to the end of the year and i hope you're right because that would make most story sense yeah, and, and you know, I think, I think JT realizes again if he if he listening to his his followers, he realizes that we that we need a, a break from Joker, at least in the main continuity. Yeah, I I think I think you're right, and I think he he knows it. 
And also we've got the the punchline stuff that's going to be happening. So there's plenty of things, and I'm pretty sure he's also going to... I mean, we've got the Grifter plot thread, too. Like, Batman telling Grifter, tell your boss, and there's some mysterious boss that Grifter's working for. Do you think... I'm sure that that'll be played out in uh, that Grifter backstory, perhaps, in uh, Future State. That would be pretty cool. I mean, I I just love all the little pieces that you can see connecting, and I hope DC is doing it on purpose. I feel like they are because they're talking very much about how they have all these seeds. So I feel like these things have to be on purpose. But you know, DC has uh, let us down before. <laughs> um. So last question: Do you think Batman's approach to crime fighting, as a uh, portrayed in this issue, is sensible, or do you think Ghostmaker is correct? I mean, if if what Batman does is what heroes do, you know, heroes that we know. I mean, I mean, if I wanted someone who had no problem killing killing people and taking the bad guys out permanently, you know, I, I would I would read I would read the Punisher, you know, or I would I would say, hey, bring Lobo back and let Lobo, you know, just take out a bunch of bad guys and call it today you know so batman's way of of doing things is is what heroes do and i truly enjoyed how tynan set it up you know almost as if you know you know ghostmaker is basically saying you didn't even know all this crap was going on and then at the end bruce is like uh yes i did because this has happened. Those those weapons have already been loaded with duds of ammo. You know, that's Batman. That's the type of stuff Batman has always done. Um, it seems almost like something that you would see in the pages of Detective. Um, and that's just that's that's just who he is. You know, and, and again, you know. Ghostmaker is Frank Castle in a white suit, you know, and I could go find me a Punisher book if I wanted, if I wanted that as a, as a, as a fan. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that Tynan very much wants us to see that Batman isn't trying to claim to be perfect or the only way, but he is, he's not incompetent. He's not a failure. And I, I like it. I, um, and it was cool to see, you know, Cassandra being his lieutenant, tracking the serial killer. And um, I kind of, oh man, I, I keep saying he this. knew everything. He he knew everything. You know, yeah. all this stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, you, you you didn't know this was going on, and you didn't know this was going on, and and you didn't know all these weapons that w- had come in. And I put a stop to it. And Bruce was like, "You fool, you, you know, those weapons were basically, you know." mid-tier guys and i basically set it up to get the 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 big bats and you didn't you didn't ruin that you know that was that was that was fun reading yeah you know but i i wish i was smarting him i wish we had some backups that tynan was writing to show us him doing these little plots um i i just read uh streets of gotham um i'd read most of it before but i read the the final arc and the little backups and how they played into the main run were fantastic. Uh, and I think Tynan or Tynan could get one of his friends to, to write some backups that, you know, would develop these things. Um, I would just, 
they're already charging a lot for Batman. I feel like they should add some some backups to it. Well, that's one of the reasons why I'm happy about Future State because we get all of these backstories. Yeah, you know? agreed. It, it feels like a fleshed out it, it, world. Yeah, I mean, because because there's no way the, that these backstories won't fill in some type of weight to what's going on in the book. I mean, you could just look at the the different names of them and and see how they're gonna fit in. So you know, I mean, even even as as much of a fan I was not, even the the extra mini book that you got in DK three helped fill in some of the holes that were in the main story. You know, and, and, I, I liked yeah. the mini mini comics. I mean, I didn't love the art, but I liked that they they played into the main story. So it wasn't like extraneous. It enriched the series. Yeah. It, it, it allowed you to fill in some holes and, you know, you got to give Azarello and, and Miller some, some credit for that. So, you know, if, if, if more of the main books were like that, you know, to help, to help move the story alone. I mean, and just, just as they're doing with future state, they could do it with these backstories and have the, the new age of, writers and creative teams tackle those backstories you know so it exposes them to us as readers but also allows them to you know have crumbs in into the main universe all right so let's give this a rating how many um hmm, what should we give? how many katanas do we want to give batman 103 uh I am going to, I'm going to give it three and a half. Uh, I think what puts it over the top is absolutely the art. I mean, I know we didn't discuss it uh, that much, but again, just as the previous issue it was absolutely great. Uh, so I'm going to go three and a half. I think I'm also going to go for three and a half. This was a, definitely an above average issue for me, and I'm a huge fan. Uh, I just remembered as you did that we haven't talked much about the art but carlo pagulian does a really crisp looking backstory um and guillaume march does a fantastic harley i mean you know guillaume march knows the character of harley quinn from gotham city sirens and so many other things i mean he's been doing covers for harley quinn for for years now so he knows harley and he knows how to do storytelling so it's it's just really enjoyable to me um and tynan works well with both of them so Three and a half out of five katanas from me. Over on the website, Scott gave it a four out of five. So he liked it even better than us, which gives us a total rating of three and a half out of five katanas. All right. Moving on to our review call. Uh, we'd love to hear what you thought about this issue and Detective Comics 1031 and this episode. Send us a message at tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net on our Discord server, which is linked on our website, or our Twitter, at TBU underscore comics, or if you're a patron, on our Patreon page. Leave us a review on Stitcher iTunes, and we'll read all of your comments and reviews on air next time. So, let's move on to our second review, Detective Comics. Bum, 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 bum. Detective Comics. 1031, written by Peter J. Tomasi, 
art by Bilquis Ebley, colors by Matt Lopez. Nakano works late at his campaign headquarters, and Mera arrives. Nakano does not know Mera at all, but the villain invites him to an event and gives him a flash drive. But Nakano rejects him as just another mask. Mera leaves, predicting Nakano will lose. Elsewhere, Batman breaks up a fight between a pro and anti-Batman graffiti artist, telling the family something is up, and continues his search for Damien. Damien himself confronts Detective Podlowski in her home about the long-ago attempt on his father's life, revealing she is Hush's illegitimate half-sister. She refuses to help him, so he ties her up, calls the cops, and leaks the story of her corruption to the press, taking her cat with him. Batman and the Bat family continue to observe the anti-Batman mob, and Batman has to pass up a chance to track Damien when he uploads information to the Bat computer because of the Mirror's flash mob. A group of citizens wearing paper masks of the Bat family confronts Mirror's mob, saying the heroes are worth supporting, and the Mirror attacks them, causing a massive riot. As the Bat family attempts to break up the fight, Someone wearing a paper Batman mask shoots them with trank darts. Batman fights the mirror one-on-one, and he struggles, noticing that the mirror is someone new. When the mirror jumps into the river and causes a huge explosion, Batman makes a big speech about why he became Batman, to save others who were failed by the system. And he pleads with the mob to see that he is part of the community. The crowd disperses, and Batman gets a message from Nightwing saying to go find Robin. But we see that Hush was the man in the bat mask, and he knocks out Nightwing to add to his pile of bats. So, how did the Bat family escape the mob from last issue? Well, remember, they all just scattered once they got to the top of the roof. Because they came barging through that door, and and before anything happened, that's when they, they... all just scattered, which so you think they just were able to easily escape? Uh, yeah, that that just kind of ticked me off that they just ran off like a bunch of. I, I just feel like that's clunky writing right there. That you know we have them on this cliffhanger and then they just kind of ignore it in this issue. Yeah, it it it, 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 it that was that was not that was not good writing in that issue. You know, again, if y'all want to hear. If you want to hear my rant on how bad the Bat Family was depicted uh, in Detective 1030, listen to our previous episode. Uh, I wasn't happy with that. Um, it was a quality rant. Go check it out. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not sure I was crazy about how they were easily taken out in this one. Well, let's not get a little uh, too hard uh, ahead of ourselves because yeah, that's yeah. part of the question. But, yeah, I, I think that is definitely a discussion point. Well, I'm, I'm going to jump to that question. Are you excited about the Hush reveal? Do you think he took out the Bat family too easily? Yeah. Again, I just – I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure what Tomasi's, Tomasi's goal is, but the fact that the family is suffering – because of it is is not sitting well with me. I will I will give all credit. I thought that this issue was definitely better than issue ten thirty, but I'm I'm still not feeling how the Bat Family is 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 being written in these pages right now. You know, 
at 1030, they're, they're scattering like cockroaches. And, you know, this issue, they, again, can't see that this is possibly a setup. And I, it, I, I don't know. It, it, it's just not, it's not, that part is just not sitting well with me. I think I think I that's feel? a good point. I do think it is uh, better constructed than last issue, but I, I also concur. I think that the Bat Family are kind of written as generic. They don't really have individual personalities, and they all do get taken out very easily. And I mean, even when you look at when when Bruce is calling out to them on a secured line, well, hell, where's that secured line in in the last issue when you all got duped to that rooftop? You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. It, now to the to the other question with regards to the hush reveal, I guess it was kind of obvious con- considering Damien figured out that the detective was his half sister. You knew that, you know, you just had this feeling that he was going to be involved in this arc in some way, uh, not necessarily on the mirror side, but perhaps on the investigation with what Damien was doing. Um, I don't, I don't know if Hush is, and again, I know, I know Tommy knows Bruce well, but I'm not, I'm not sure if, if Hush is good enough to pull this off. It does. I, I do like the way that we connect it. And I, I like the idea that we're going to have Damien as Robin um, coming at this mystery from one side uh, and Bruce, they're definitely going to meet up. Yeah, like I like that. That's clever. But I kind of wish I don't know. Hush is a hard villain to set up because he's he's a chess master, and you start showing him, you, you're like, oh yeah, he's doing all the stuff. So I think it's appropriate. He's he's kind of definitely at least B list, if not A list, villain. But he's also kind of boring. He doesn't really have a gimmick. He's just supposed to be really smart, but he always has to be beaten, so he looks kind of dumb eventually. I don't know. I just uh, read, as I said, The Streets of Gotham, which ends with the House of Hush storyline, and that was a, a big disappointment because it felt very much like Deanie had to wrap up way too quickly, and everyone ended up looking kind of dumb. And is, is this our first time seeing Tommy again since um, the prelude to the wedding? I think so. No, 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 no. Hush was in City of Bane. He and Batman had that uh, face-off, that's sort of like a Western, and Batman threw Batarang, and Hush tried to shoot him. And yeah, so he was part of Bane's takeover of Gotham, but he hasn't really done anything on his own initiative recently since the prelude to the wedding. How the hell did he get out of that? Wherever he and and the dimension, that dimension, him, him and Dick got trapped in at one point. Because I remember, I don't remember him and seeing him in in City of Bane. So how the hell he get out of that portal? Magic. All right. So next question: What do you think of the question of Mirror versus Ghostmaker now? Both have had one-on-one fights with Batman, and Ghostmaker beat Batman in uh, his title, whereas Mirror got beaten here, but still caused a lot of trouble. Um, I'm not going to say Ghostmaker beat Batman, even though Batman, Batman got trained, so it wasn't like he, he got beat down. Um, again, I'm not, I'm not quite there on, on Ghostmaker. I guess, I guess I can use the term that you used earlier. He's developing. Um, I still don't like either character, but I mean, 
I've always figured that, you know, Ghostmaker was from the standpoint of of combat, the better the better combatant. Uh, and I hope nobody goes back and check last episode and and I said something totally different. Uh, just scratch that from your memory. Yeah, I mean, either either you know, ghost. I mean, either the mayor is just this sacrificial lamb for Hush, who willingly gives his life, you know, to the cause, or he's he's gonna be this this mastermind with a bigger plan uh, for using the the people of Gotham and in, in this anti-vigilante protests that that's building across the city but i'm still not i'm still not a fan of either yeah i i tend to agree i was pleased that Takano was not in league with mirror i was really worried they were going to make him a villain and instead he's got integrity he he refuses to join with the mirror's bloodthirsty schemes so that was good i think it is a little troublesome that both of them have such similar story elements going on and Neither of them are super strong villains, so it kind of highlights both of them. You don't have, I guess you sort of have a classic villain with Hush now, but I think Hush is one of the least interesting classic villains. So last question, what do you think about Batman's speeches to the villains in Batman and Detective this week? Yeah, he gives a justification for what and why he does what he does as Batman. Uh, Do you find one of them more convincing than the other? Well, I truly believe the detective speech more and 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 maybe it's because you know it's the one that I just read so it's sitting in my mind more but um, I mean this isn't the first time you know he has done these type of speeches but the the notion that you know hey I'm doing this so that you all don't have to go through what I went through is quite powerful I agree. I liked both speeches. Uh, Tynan basically wrote a version of the speech he gave to Ghostmaker in The Victim Syndicate. And I thought it was good there, and I think it's good here. But I think Tomasi does a really good job of really capturing the pain of Batman and his mission. And I thought it was I thought it was good. What do you want to give this out of... Let's see. We can't do masks. So... Three oh. blown up mirrors. <laughs> out of mirror shards. How many mirror shards do you want to give... <laughs> Detective Comics 1031. Well, again, I, I, I thought that this was a better issue than 1030. And that's including the art. I'm still not a huge fan of the art. I am going to give it uno, dos, tres. I'm going to give it three mirror shots out of five. I think I will also give it three out of five. There's some really good elements you've got. I actually really like Bilquis Evely's art. I like it better here than in there because there wasn't a weird dream sequence kind of eating up page time. I will admit, it, 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 this issue, it was better. Yeah. I, I will I will give credit there. It, it, it was better this issue, it, this issue, but it's still not a fan. I like that speech. I really liked Damien's detective work. Um, but, you know, the Bat family getting taken out like punks and... I, I'm just not a fan of Hush as a villain. So him being revealed out of nowhere, and I'm just like that guy again. So I'm I gonna... mean, like if 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 the Joker was able to take him out, I could see that. Joker is is that that type of 
villain. He is, or or Deathstroke, it, or yeah, you know, even Bane. Although Bane would be hard to hide in a crowd, but like, it just feels like the Bat Family wouldn't be so dumb as to charge into a crowd like that. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm I'm not family. I'm yeah. I'm not I'm not a fan of that at all. But so, I'm going to I'm going to give Tomasi a pass simply because. I I do think this was uh, an enjoyable issue. So I'm going to give it a three out of five. So, so Theo, when you write your review, you got to make sure you keep your, your, your star rating consistent. Okay. All right. I'll think about it. So (laughs) we have a, a few pieces of listener feedback from last episode. Sorry to interrupt Master Booth. Ringing your phone now. This needs my attention. Matches Malone on the Discord uh, sent us some messages saying, so it looks like Punchline is going full Tyler Durden. Project Mayhem is alive and well. Or maybe just tying into the Joker movie. Themes only. I think that there's definitely qualities of Fight Club in uh, Punchline, but kind of updated for today's internet age. Uh, Sean Wolf gave us some very kind private messages um, supporting us, and we really appreciate that. And... We would love to hear from any of you listeners if you had any thoughts on these two comics or the upcoming news. Um, If you want to tell us what you're most excited about in Future State, I would love to read those comments um, because I'm getting excited. So our last question of the week is, do flashback stories or prequels matter to you? Why or why not? And I ask this because, uh, you know, Challenge of the Super Sons is technically a flashback or prequel story. So do you find them less interesting because you know that they're in the past or do you think they're really cool or what? Well, I think it depends on the story. Again, if it's something that fans will, if if that's something that fans want to read, they will read it. And, you know, for me, again, being a huge mark for super for the super sons you know getting another story even though you know it's not in current continuity being that it's in continuity and you know we can we can somehow place it within the continuity of the overall of the overall history of the duo i'm okay with that now you know if it's if it's a story that I have no interest in, then it's not going to it's not going to um, pull any any interest from me. Um, but I mean, we kind of get it with hope at world in as well. You know, it, it's it's you know a story that's interlaced between one series and another, and you know that has interest because again, it helps it helps fill the, fill in the story give a, give you an idea of what's happened between the start and the finish uh so i i'm okay with that especially because these are characters that i have an interest in reading i think that it really depends as you say it it's it's very execution dependent so i think one of the critiques of the star wars prequels is not necessarily that it's because they're prequels is because uh, they weren't executed in a way that really made them independent or engaging on their own. I think something like Adventures of the Super Sons or some of the pitches I've just thrown out are exciting because they show 
stories in which you can engage with the characters and the threat, and it's not about setting something else up. So I would say a flashback story generally has more potential uh, than a prequel story, because a prequel story generally has to set up what um, happens in the later stuff. I, I think that if you look at something like uh, The Long Halloween or um, what was this sequel, Dark Victory, I think that it's very clear that these flashback stories can very much be classics. And so I, I don't think that it's at all a problem to set something in the past. You just have to be careful about how you do it and you have to execute it well. And I think that um, that kind of answers that. So I'm curious about you, the listeners. Do you like flashbacks or prequels and why or why not? I want to take some time to thank our patrons and supporters. Uh, we have Gerald Green, Joshua Lappin Bertoni, Rob O, Real No Deuces, Tim Garassi, Rob Lewis, Stephanie Mounts, Ian Miller, Theodis Wright, Donovan Morgan Grant, Stanton's Grave, Donald Townsend, Ed Grouse, Brendan Roberts, Hannah Carr, Captain America, Mary Garrett, Austin Davis, Johnny McCloskey, Sam Isaac, and Cody. Thank you for your support, and uh, patrons at certain levels will get access to special bonus episodes where we talk about old and new comics and other various topics. And so those are some of the benefits you can get as a patron. Uh, they also, of course, help us keep the show hosted and continue to have our archives available. Um, and I always encourage people to check out some of those old episodes before I came on, before Theo came on. Lots of great content, all of it Batman Universe related. That's it for this week. We will see you in a couple weeks with the next issues of Batman and Detective Comics. Uh, we'll also be reviving Greater Gotham. We'll be talking about issues of Batman Black and White and Batman Catwoman. So tune in in a couple weeks and we'll give you all the universe of Batman. Thanks for listening. This has been Ian. Oh, shoot. I, I thought Steph was going to hop in again. This is Theo. And I hope that you have a very happy Thanksgiving. Happy Gobble Gobble. Super Sons.